administration service. So I will ask that you trust God for presence of mind, you know, and agility in the spirit. So you know how to plug in. You know when your word comes to you. And you don't play to the gallery. You're focused. Is, that somebody, is somebody still with me this morning? Yeah. Because I believe that God is reaching out to somebody here this morning. If you haven't been around in a while, I welcome you back to church. And I want you to know that God is looking out for you this morning. If you're watching online, stay with us. Don't get distracted. Put distractions away from you. And focus on God's word this morning. We started a teaching series a few weeks ago. And this is the last teaching in this series. Enduring Careers and Enterprises. From Psalm 90 and verse 17, our anchor scripture for the series, says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Can we read it together? One, two, go. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We started out by emphasizing that there's a grace for divine establishment. That the will of God for you and I is not to live a touch and go kind of life. Uh, you start something, it's not working, you move to something else, do something for you know, some time, abandon it, you know, stay on one career path and then from there yank yourself off. And, you know, and I remember saying that God is in the business of planting people. And because we're human beings, we have the power of motion. A lot of the time we uproot ourselves for the places where God has planted us. And you know, I also remember saying in the first teaching that Sometimes it looks like trees have more sense than human beings. But they are constrained because they don't have the power of motion. So when a tree is planted, it stays where it's planted. And then it blossoms where it's planted. Somebody stay with me this morning. And so the scripture says, they that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. And some, some believers and human beings generally, just because of the power of motion that we have, they are willing to move around. Sometimes we just move. And we don't stay planted where God has placed us. So sometimes God wants you to be planted on a career. Sometimes God wants you to be planted in an industry and focus and build a legacy. But winds will blow. There will be economic downturn. And sometimes some of us want to take a different direction. Some of us just want to move on. We see a similar story in Genesis 26. The Bible says there was, in verse 1, there was a famine that was different from uh, uh, the famine that happened in the days of Abraham. In the, in the days of Isaac. And then uh, Isaac, the Bible says, uh, 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 went to, to Abimelech, the king of Gerah. And in verse 2, the Bible uh, says, Then the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall, I shall tell you. The time of famine, the time of you know, downtime and all that is a time, uh, there's a lot of transition and people uh, you know, uh, become weary and you, you, know, you just want to plant and unplant yourself sometimes because of you know, the apparent needs and you know, the, the, the resources that we need. We just want to do something. And God you know, honors us when we at least try to do something. It's just like we need to do it with an understanding that I have grace for divine establishment. I'm supposed to blossom where God has planted me. And I will not uproot myself anyhow. Here, Isaac was about to uproot himself to go somewhere else. Sometimes it's not about physical location. Sometimes it's about changing business. Sometimes it's about, you know, some people even want to change spouses. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you go to funny people who tell you that your spouse is your problem. 
and uh, your wife is a witch. Your husband is uh, something. I don't know. Yeah, you just find something. You, and you know the making, it takes a wizard to make a witch. Yeah. If you meet somebody who was not a witch, and then you marry the person for 10 years, and the person successfully becomes a witch, which you are a suspect. Yeah. yeah, you must be a suspect. Yeah. It's either you drove the person into witchcraft, or you are the mentor. And the initiator who mentored and initiated the person into witchcraft. Because if you found a young lady who was not a witch, you mentored her and you made a witch out of her. Eh? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> there's an atmosphere that is conducive for certain things to happen. And there's another atmosphere that's not conducive for some things to happen. I'm in charge of the atmosphere in my home. It's difficult for my wife to just become a witch because I'm in control of that atmosphere. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying this morning. Yeah. So, where was I? <laughs> you know, when I get into all those areas, sometimes I just want to go on and on, but I have to come back here because the message this morning is not about witch. Yeah. God plants us. Yeah. He plants us where he wants us to blossom. We started out by talking about grace for divine establishment. Then we talk about foundation issues. Foundations matter. If you have not been around, get the messages. If you are watching online, go on our YouTube channel, watch over and again. Foundations matter. Last Sunday, we were talking about uh, um, legacies. Yeah. Keys to building legacies. Yeah. You know, here for good, keys to building legacies. In this service, because it's an impartation service, I'm not going to preach for so long, and I'm just exalting on the covenant advantage, a critical part of this grace for divine establishment is that we must remind ourselves that we have a covenant advantage. Whether you're on a career path, you're building a business, you must remind yourself of the covenant advantage that you have in Christ. There's a covenant advantage to this arrangement. There's a covenant advantage. That covenant advantage will show up from time to time. In the, in, in the Old Testament, the people who are not Jews sometimes envy the Jews. How come God has chosen you? How come you will go to battle with 200 and you will win the battle with 2,000? You went with 200, other people came with 2,000 and you won the battle. Because God said go. It's a covenant advantage. Yeah. How come Isaac in this place, in Genesis 26, in verse 12, the Bible says Isaac sowed in the land, and the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. In the time of farming, Isaac would dig wells and would find water. And you need water to be able to water your crops and your animals. That was what led to hundredfold in the same year, when people were not able to get anything. Somebody sit with me this morning. That's a covenant advantage. That's the covenant advantage that we're talking about. So God has made room for you physically and spiritually for you to occupy and prosper. It's a covenant advantage. Truth is that except you are in Christ, you don't understand this. The Bible says uh, the things of the spirit are foolishness to kind of man. Yeah. Some of the things I'm going to speak about this morning, they don't make sense to kind of people, to ordinary, physical-minded people. Yeah. 
But for those of us who are in Christ, it's the foundation of our relationship with him. If you don't believe that you have a covenant advantage, there's no point remaining in Christ. You can just stay with what you can do for yourself. Somebody stay with me this morning. Galatians chapter 3, when you read uh, from verse 12, 13, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, it said, Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Look at what verse 14 says. It says that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles. And you and I are Gentiles. If you are not a biological Jew, see, as far as the Bible is concerned, there are two races, Jews and Gentiles, mostly. <laughs> Everyone that is not a biological Jew is Gentile. So the Bible says that that blessing of Abraham, because the premise for the covenant we're talking about is Abraham. The covenant of Abraham is a subsisting covenant that lasts forever. And that's the one that we are plugged into. So he said that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And in verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3 here, he then says, so if you are in Christ, verse 29, go to verse 29, he says, and if you are in Christ, or if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? Genesis 12. You see the promise there from verse uh, 2 and 3. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. You see the promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and you, and in you all the families of the heart shall be blessed. And this promise was not based on performance. Abraham had not done anything before God made the promise. From verse 4, the Bible says, Abraham departed in obedience to God. Yeah. So Abraham departed. As the Lord has spoken. Yeah. This promise was something that God had in mind and chose Abraham. Raised a different lineage through Abraham that we call Israel today, Jews. And when Christ came, that same blessing, Christ then, uh, how do I put it? Uh, deregulated it. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. He deregulated it. You know, a woman came to Jesus and said, heal me. And he said, I'm not sent, but to the Lordship of the household of Israel. And the woman said, even, you know, slaves, they take crumb from the table. Just throw something down, I'll take it. It's just for my daughter to be healed. Yeah. And um, in, um, is it John chapter 12? They then came to meet Jesus to say that the, the Gentiles are looking out for you. Ah, Jesus said, except the kind of wheat fall to the ground and died. John 12 and 24 also. He said, except the kind of wheat fall to the ground and die. He said, it abides alone. What Jesus was saying was that now is time for, this, for us to, to deregulate this thing. It's not going to be about Jews alone. After the cross, everyone that will come into Christ will participate in this promise. 
Are you still with me today? Yeah. They came to meet Jesus and said, you know, Gentiles are looking for you. Everybody's looking. Ah! He says, most assuredly, I said to you, except the kind of wheat falls to the ground and dies, remains the way it is. But if it dies, it will bring forth, you know, much grain. So Jesus was then telling them from here, I have to die. That's when this ministry can move to the next level. And the next phase is that we deregulate this Jewish thing. Everyone who will come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus then will come into the covenant of Abraham. Yeah. When he hung on the cross and he said it is finished, he paid the ultimate price. Not for the Jews, because the Jews are already under a covenant. Then there was a new covenant. Based on better promises, that has been deregulated for anyone who will believe in Christ Jesus. Is somebody still with me this morning? Yes. Yeah. Anyone who will come into that. That's why Paul, writing in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, he says, and if you are in Christ, if you are Christ, <laughs> then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the same promise. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Some, somebody say after me this morning, say, I'm the seed of Abraham. So I have a covenant with God. Say, I walk in covenant. Say, I'm not alone. I'm in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a seed of Abraham. Every promise of Abraham must find fulfillment, must find expression in my life, in my career, in my business. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody say better, amen. amen. We are seeds of Abraham. And we must understand that. We live in a continent where spiritual things are easier to understand because we grew up with them. Yeah, we grew up with them. We grew up with them. When we talk about covenants, we know about covenants in Africa. Yeah, some of our forefathers are experts in covenants. Yeah, they come into agreements and accord. Yeah. Nobody can talk to us about blood. We know blood. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. We are supposed to be teaching this thing. Yeah. Real covenant because we were brought up with it. I'm going to talk about sacrifices and altars. We know altars. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I don't know where you grew up. Because you're now looking at me as if all of you were born in Lagos. But even if you were born in Lagos, haven't you seen sacrifices in Lagos before? Go to the road junction. Yeah. But you see those sacrifices to lesser gods. You see blood, you know, spilled somewhere. The highest form of covenant in existence is a covenant that Christ made on your behalf and on my behalf. Yeah. There are covenants. And there are bloods, there are sacrifices, and there are altars. But the power of one altar is higher than the other. I don't want to digress too much. At Mount Carmel, Elijah showed up, and the prophets of Baal, they also showed up. They called their God. <laughs> and Elijah said, come a little more. Maybe he's sleeping, shout. Maybe he went to the washroom, just give him a few more minutes and scream. And they did everything to the point that they started to cut themselves with their sword. That maybe if the, the, their God sees their blood, it will show up. Because it was a contest of whoever can show up. 
And when the Bible says it was Elijah's turn, he put the altar in order. Yeah. And Elijah said, let the God that answered by fire. And the Bible says the fire fell on the altar. Yeah. You cannot encounter that kind of God and somebody will invite you to join a court and you'll follow them. Yeah. You, you, you can't. That's the God of the Bible. Yeah. It's not wicked. It's a good God. But it's also a consuming fire. Are you still with me today? Yeah. It's also a consuming fire. People cut covenant with blood of chicken, of goat, lesser beans. In our realm, the highest form of covenant you see is the one cut with the blood of a human being. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. So people kill to be able to sacrifice at certain altars. I'm talking like this this morning because we are discussing your career and your business. And this is where we have the highest amount of sacrifice. Anything that has to do with money, power, position, possession, and all the people, people sacrifice daily to maintain positions, to maintain possessions. It is real. It is not a figment of anyone's imagination, except you are not an African. Yeah. It is real. There has to be a God that they're sacrificing to, but not the God of the Bible. Yeah. When Christ hung on the cross, he said it is finished. What was finished? What finished? Sacrifices of blood. God said, I need the ultimate blood to redeem humanity. And Christ hung on the cross, and from Emmanuel's veins, blood flowed. That blood is still flowing to you today in the spirit. It is the blood of the sinless son of God. You can't compare it with the blood of sinful human beings. So, though we agree that the covenant with human blood is at the highest level, there's one that is higher than that. And that is the covenant with the blood of a human in the flesh, but that is sinless. Are you still with me today? That's what makes the blood of Jesus to be on a different wavelength completely. Completely different wavelength. Like I said, if you have access to this blood and you are still following somebody to the beach, following somebody to go and wash somewhere, they say, come and join court. You two are going, going like a sheep led to the slaughter. It's because you don't know the efficacy of what you have. Are you still with me this morning? If you know the efficacy of what you have, uh, then you know that power past power. Yeah, power past power. And some of us are too terrified by people who use occultic powers to harass us in the place of business and on our career paths because we don't know what we carry. There's a name that is above every other name. Philippians 2 and verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, giving him a name that is above every name, that at the mention of the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, 
Those under the health. Where else are you looking for? As in, where, where, where else? What? Any demon that is not in the heavenlies on earth and underneath the earth does not exist. Yeah. And the Bible says there's a name that has been given that is higher than all that. Yeah. Higher than all that. As I'm speaking here this morning, I see the spirit of fear leaving somebody. That spirit of fear is living you right now. You see, somebody needs to understand this morning, the reason why you are afraid of that person from the village is not because you don't have authority in Christ. Uh, it's because your faith is too small in that authority. Yeah. Yeah. You know that, despite the fact that you are wearing uniform as a policeman, if somebody really harass you very well, you may remove that uniform and start running. Yeah. That's the case of many believers. Rather than you staying and enforcing your authority, you keep running. Now, I don't know how long you want to run for. But some of that person's here, it's not that you are running, it's that you don't even know what you have. Yeah, you don't even have an idea what you have. So before they say one, you're on your knee already, begging. Yeah, that's why a believer, can you imagine? Something has to happen in our country. For us to understand the authority of the believer. A believer will leave night vigil, get home at 5 a.m. After praying all night, you now see one cockroach. Hey, they have come, they have come. Cockroach. Hey, they have come, and you're running around the house. Why have you gone to pray all night, if not for a waste of time? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. With this brand of Christianity that we have in Africa, we need to do something to it. We don't study the word of God for practice and for living. We are too religious. The Bible says some have, the, you know, a, a form of godliness but deny the power. That's the, that's the kind of, you know, thing that we have. We just have a form of godliness but to acknowledge the power, to enforce the power, to live by the power is a problem. That's why, I mean, I just imagine a cockroach that was there because you have not slept, swept your room for a while. Eh? Now it all of a sudden became an enemy that you are running away from. Yeah. If only the cockroach could speak. Yeah. They'll tell you, I'm not here to harm you. I don't even know you. I don't know your village. I just felt it's a conditional environment. That's why I came. That's all. Somebody may be listening to me right now. We say, uh, Pastor, it's because we live in Lagos. So. <laughs> uh, village people, uh, they are not that easy. Oh. They can turn to anything. Stop deceiving yourself. Yeah. Stop deceiving yourself. Before your village was established, God has been on the throne. All the demons in your village put together. <laughs> cannot stand against the power in the word of God. Where the word of the king is, there's power. That power is unmolestable. We only have people who don't know they are left from their right spiritually. You see, in Galatians 3 and 29 there, where the scripture says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. This was a conclusion of a discussion that Paul started from Galatians 3 and verse 1 up to this point. 
Then, he now says, sequel to this is that Galatians 4 and 1. Now, I say that the heir, don't forget the heir we're talking about, that is in Christ and who is part of the promise of Abraham. That heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ from a slave, though he's master of all. Do you get it now? Yeah. Because some people think that the power of God doesn't work. How do you put the, the power in the hand of a child that doesn't know how to use it? That's the problem. Let me look at your neighbor this morning and say, it's time to grow up. Yeah, and we're talking about growing up spiritually. Yeah. Talking about growing up spiritually. The hair does, is, does not, you know, is not different from a slave if he remains a child. Can't do anything with authority. Have you seen a child enforce authority before? No. Even if a, <laughs> if a child is talking to you and trying to assess any level of authority, tell the child, sit down. Sit down. You're a child. Yeah, that's how they say it in my language. You are a child. Sit down. Until the child becomes of age. There's a need to come of age spiritually and enforce your right in Christ Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. There are certain constants to the covenant. Yeah, especially when you start to understand the covenant and you start to enforce it. There are things that are constant. Times may change. There may be farming. There may be change of, you know, government or anything at all. It doesn't matter whether it's summer, winter, or whatever. There are constants to the covenant. One of the constants to the covenant is protection and preservation. Genesis 12, uh, in verse 3 that we read there, said, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them who curses you. And in you, all the families of the house shall be blessed. The Bible says, shall bless your bread and your water and take sickness away from the midst of you. None of the diseases of Israel or, or, or Egypt shall come upon you. Psalm 91 says, it will, will keep you, that you will not dash your feet against the stone. These are constants of the covenant. Constants of the covenant. A covenant person cannot be under a siege. Because there's divine preservation over your life. There's a cloud over your life. Yeah. There's a cloud that will bring rain of righteousness from time to time. Secondly, another constant in the covenant is strength to withstand adversity. Strength to withstand adversity. If you are working in covenant with Jehovah, you will enjoy strength to withstand adversity. Strength to withstand adversity. When adversity comes... Covenant guarantees that you can withstand it. So contention, envy, animosity, all those things has already been taken care of under the covenant. Genesis 26. You see the story of Isaac again there. Isaac, the first, you know, carrier of this covenant after Abraham, had contention, serious contention. Serious contention. The moment the Bible says in verse 12, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundredfold, you know, by the time you read further, you will just see that contention upon contention. The Bible says in verse 13, for instance, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had uh, possessions of flock, possessions of herds, a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. 
and says, now the Philistines stopped this well, stopped up the well, which his father servant dug in the days of Abraham, and they had filled it with herb. Yeah. So contention. Every, they would dig a well, they would stop it, stop it, until it came to a point where Isaac started to, you know, walk in the full assurance of the covenant. And they would dig another well by faith, and then they would find water. Dig another well. By the time you get to verse 25 of Genesis 26, you will see that uh, the Bible says that Isaac, uh, uh, in verse 24, that the Lord appeared to, to, to him uh, you know, that night. said, I'm the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I'm with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants and for, for, your servant, for my servant Abraham's sake. So you see the blessing of Abraham showing forth there. And so the Bible says in verse 25, so he built an altar there and called on the name of the, God, of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. There Isaac's servant dug a well again. Then what happened? The king, Abimelech, and all his folks, the commander of his army, his friends, they came to meet Isaac. And in verse 27, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you. Then he said, uh, with certainly, can somebody read this? He says, certainly, sin, that the Lord is with you. Very soon, they will tell you that they know God is with you. Yeah. He says, certainly we have seen that God is with you. God is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. You see people who were envious, who were trying to pull him down, who were trying to, because of the covenant advantage, eventually they came to him to say, let's come into one accord. Let's come into a covenant with you. Yeah, we've now seen that God is at work in your life and we cannot stop it. We've done everything that we can do, but we've seen that there's nothing we can do that God is the one doing it. Very soon, everyone around you will know that God is the one working in your life. In the precious name of Jesus. So there's strength to withstand adversity. Another covenant constant in this divine advantage is positioning. The covenant can position you beyond where your effort alone can. And you need to understand that. When we talk about positioning, it may be geographical, it may be within an industry, any kind of positioning at all. The covenant can position you beyond where your effort can place you. That's the working of the covenant. In Genesis 26 there, when you read from verse 1, Isaac was moving because of the famine. He was supposed to be, you know, going to Egypt. God said, no, stay where you are. The big question today is that, will you stay where God says you should stay? Even if it's not looking like it. That's the only way you can engage the covenant advantage when you choose to stay where God says stay. The positioning. God said I will overtake, uh, overturn and overturn and overturn until it comes. Whose turn is it? Then I'll give it to him. God is the one that creates a shift, a shift, and then pushes us into the right place. It's a covenant advantage for positioning. The last, I mean, uh, uh, Another covenant advantage is favor. You know, some people don't like it when we talk about favor. Some of the people who hate 
for us to talk about favor or enjoying favor. <laughs> if, you, if you don't understand what I'm saying, just go online and write that God favored you and you are so blessed with something. He says, go and sit down. Christians who don't like to walk. It's favor, favor they talk about. Yeah. And some of us have come to a point now when you don't even believe in favor again. You only believe in labor. God bless you. Yeah. Why all through the Bible you see God's favor coming upon somebody's labor and boom, something shifts to a new level. That will be your testimony in Jesus' name. I believe in labor, but I don't believe in labor alone. I also believe in favor. Yeah. One of the guarantees of the covenant, the constants of the covenant, is that the favor of God will be available to me. Yeah. Will be available to me. All the time. In all the things that I do, the favor of God will be available to me. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 35, 35 and 36, the Bible says, Now, the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them their request. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Before the Passover, God told Moses, tell, tell, tell Israel to go around to their neighbors and let them make requests. Yeah, just make requests. Said, I will give you favor before the Egyptians. And it happened exactly like that. In fact, for them, it's all the labor of over 400 years that their parents and grandparents have made in Egypt. One night, just one night, by a stroke of favor, they collected all the wages put together. Yeah. Because you cannot just imagine how it happened. Uh, Esa, we are leaving tomorrow. Bring all the gold in your house. Say, no problem, I'm coming now. And they went to bring it. Yeah. Say, have a safe trip. God bless you. And they're going. Yeah. And that's how they were going around. Tell your neighbor, write the proposal. Show up. Make the request. Yeah. The working of favor demands that you show up. When Moses spoke to them, the people would stay in their house. They didn't participate. But he said, go to your neighbors. Ask them for articles of silver, articles of gold. Ask them. And the Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. Do you know the meaning of plundering? They plundered them. God collapsed all the labor and the blessings of the labor of many years. Because the generation of the slaves, of, of the people that were living in Egypt, were maybe like the fourth generation or more of people that came into Egypt. For around 30 years later, many, many generations have passed. And they had done hard labor in Egypt. When the favor of God came, all the labor put together, this generation packed all the harvest of that labor, and left Egypt with it. May that be your testimony. Yeah. In the precious name of Jesus. Yeah. Psalm 102 and verse 13, the Bible says, you will arise and have mercy upon Zion. He said, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time has come. There's always a set time for favor. And it's when you believe that under the covenant that we have with God, divine favor is a major part of it. So you expect favor. You pray for it. When you go to pitch for a contract, for a job or something, you know that the favor of God is upon your life. You confess it 
before you leave home. I'm favored. I will not be rejected because the favor of God is upon my life. Yeah. You, you can practice the presentation from now to tomorrow. There's no guarantee until you switch to the covenant. Yeah. There will always be somebody who knows this presentation more than you. And this proposal may be better than your own. But when we switch to the covenant, it gives us covenant advantage. Favor cannot be explained. Yeah. Anything that you are still explaining is not real favor. When you see the manifestation of real favor, you can't explain it. Yeah. All you can say is that I showed up and it happened. Yeah. That's all you said. I showed up and it happened. Yeah. I showed up and it happened. I responded and it happened. I replied the email and I got the confirmation. Yeah. How did it happen? I'm not really sure. It must be the finger of God. <laughs> praise God. I said, Praise God. Those are the constants of the covenant. And it's the ultimate force to be reckoned with because it supersedes everything, every other thing. This covenant that we're talking about supersedes every other thing. Lastly, you also need to understand that the covenant, the Bible says, brings the blessing of God that make rich and had no sorrow. Yeah, had no sorrow. It will do you good if you just walk in it. Proverbs 10 and 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and had no sorrow. That's the covenant that he's talking about. It's not just anyhow blessing, but the blessing of the covenant. The blessing of the covenant. Lastly today, before we pray, there are certain factors if you want to walk in the covenant with God. Yeah, you want to walk in covenant with God, the two important keys. One is sacrifice. The other one is altars. Sacrifice, altars. Sacrifice, altars. When I started, I made mention of the fact that here in Africa, you don't need anybody to explain altar and sacrifice to you. Yeah. You've seen people who sacrifice things. What, what does sacrifice mean, for instance? Sacrifice. You need to ask the question, what is, what, you know, what's it costing you? What are you denying yourself of? That's the sacrifice we're talking about. Sometimes sacrifice is not money. Sacrifice is time. If I get a call from a friend right now and says, oh, PG, I need you to meet me in so-and-so place, I say, you know what? I'm just finishing a meeting, but I'm going to be on my way, but you know that this is really sacrificial, and if my friend will say, you need to do that for me because it's urgent and because of our friendship. I know I'm sacrificing something. The way some of us want to work in this covenant is without any form of sacrifice at all. You don't want it to cost you anything. It has already cost God the life of his son. What is it going to cost you? Because after all said and done today, somebody will say, eh, but we have prayed, 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 nothing is happening. Eh, we say covenant, covenant. How are you working the covenant? Yeah. How are you working the covenant? God has respect to the covenant. Do you have respect to the covenant? Yeah. How we respect the covenant is by sacrificing and building altars. The people who, who work in covenant with lesser demons and small principalities that are now harassing us in Africa, that we're always referring to the village, they know how dedicated they are to their altars. You go back to your village, at every corner you will see one shrine, one this, one that. You think you don't have sense? Some of those gods are very wicked. If you don't pour something on that altar, they are coming to visit you at night. Yeah. 
They are dedicated to it. They don't forget. If you forget, you are in trouble. But because this is our own God, is a merciful God and all that, you just walk in complete forgetfulness. Yeah. No sacrifice, no altar. There's no point, no uh, focal point of dedication. Can you put a slide up for me about altars? The altar is the, the focal point of dedication. I'm saying altar. Yeah. A focal point, a focal point for your worship, devotion, and love for God. God already loved us and sent his son. It's not enough for us to say God loves us and we can do and undo before him. What about our love for him? That's the place of the altar where there's devotion. Where there's devotion. Somebody, because something is working big in your life right now, no devotion, no sacrifice, nothing. But you're forgotten that winds do blow. Sometimes wind will blow and it may be contrary. And that's when some people will remember devotion. And you say you are working in covenant. It doesn't work like that. You can't even work with a demon like that. That's what I was just saying. What we can't try with Satan, don't try with God. Go and ask people in the occult. They will tell you, ah, if they tell you to wake up, to have been there, you better wake up and carry your oil with you. Just pour that red oil somewhere, or if not, that thing will come up. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know these things now. Don't behave as if you don't know. Huh? Ask your neighbor, where's your village? <laughs> well, you know these things now. Yeah? Sacrifices, altars, and obedience. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. The Bible says, if you are obedient, he said, you will hit the good of the land. Sacrifices. What is your relationship with God costing you? What do you have to let go because of this relationship? Yeah. Romans 12 and verse 1. He said we should present our bodies as living sacrifices. Only and acceptable to God. What are you sacrificing? Sometimes it will cost you a habit. Sometimes it will cost, cost you some friendship. Sometimes it will cost you money or material possession. Yeah. Where God says, yield this to me. Can I tell you the truth? A life of sacrifice and building altars is not possible if you surround yourself with naysayers. You surround yourself with friends who mock God. A carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. When God spoke to Abraham, go and build a sacrifice and it's your son you should put on top of it. Abraham did not even consult his wife, let alone his uncle. This one that God is nudging you. You have gone to your friend. You have gone to your uncle. They say, hey, now you kill Jesus. You better just stay where you are. Eh? Mind your lane, no. All this rubbish you are doing. Eh, church, this one, that one. That's why the covenant is not working. It worked for Abraham. There are certain things God will tell you. You can't consult with anybody about it. Just obey. 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 Tell your neighbor, say obey. Obey. Yeah. Build your heart up. Walk in sacrificial living with God. Everything that I have belongs to you. If you ask anything, yes, sir. If you ask for my time, yes, sir. That is sacrifice we're talking about. If you say, drop this way of life, yes, sir. Slightly disconnect from this person, yes, sir. It must cost you something. That is sacrifice. Then there has to be devotion. Devotion. 
that is altar. You saw there, Isaac built an altar. Genesis 26 and verse 24. And then God showed up. I said, my blessing is coming in a new dimension. Everybody that used demonic powers in the place of business and career service their altar. We Christians take it for granted. And then we say the covenant is not working. Because our own God doesn't strike people dead. He's a good God. And he doesn't ask you for anything when he's starting the covenant with you. But he expects you to work in covenant with him. When some people go to ask for money, their own God will already tell them, it's your firstborn I need. When he's 18, I will take him. Yeah. So they now prepare for it. They can give back like six. So that if this evil demon is taking, is taking, at least it will remain two. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Our own God doesn't work like that. He says, I want to preserve you, your household, nothing missing, nothing broken. Yeah. Just walk in covenant with me. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. It's time to embrace the covenant. It's time to walk in devotion with God. Consistently building your altars, walking in obedience, asking God, how do you want me to be a blessing? How, who should I bless? Where should I go? You get a premonition in your heart, you follow it. And then you see God work for you. God says, don't do that and that's it. Yes, sir. That's sacrifice. That's devotion. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning and just tell him, Lord, I want to walk in sacrifice with you. I want to live a life of devotion to you. Help me to build altars. I want to be a person that will build altars for you. Altars in my heart. Altars in my house. This covenant must work for me. I will not serve a lesser God. I will embrace this covenant advantage. It must work in my life. Enough of being afraid running from pillar to post. Afraid of lesser gods. Afraid of people who are bowing down before altars. When you serve the God of the Bible, I wanted to talk to God this morning. Something new is breaking out of your business. Something new is breaking out of your career.